<laughs> you get perked up a bit. What? That what? have been recording. I'm not sure. <gasps> <laughs> that would be so embarrassing. <laughs> Another thrilling episode. I'm Eric. I'm Corey. We're talking about this week. Food deserts, which are lacking food desserts. Should we do like a... We should open every show with like a, what happened since the last time we podcasted? Like a weekly, like yeah, a Yeah, what up. happened? How's your toe? Healing up? Yeah. Feeling good? <laughs> Sting, actually stings a little bit, Aww. to be honest. I hope you make it. <laughs> so hard to be you we put a new door in our house oh yeah an interior we put some tile in the bathroom uh-huh 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 and uh that's about it yeah kids are in camp <laughs> kids are in camp it's a nice thing how, so how fun. sick is camp oh my god it's amazing oh my god i'm gonna go i have like most of my positive childhood memories are are camp related yeah i don't actually remember a lot from like school. elementary school yeah. and middle school. Yeah. I remember doing this weird. I wonder if this would fly now. This is one of my middle school. Mm. In the seventh grade, we had this science teacher. I always wanted to call him Mr. Ratburn, but that's the Arthur teacher. That is the Arthur teacher. But it was something like that. And he was teaching us uh, like water displacement. Mm-hmm. You know, so like you fill a bucket up to the very top and you drop an apple in it and you measure how much water spills. Yep. What are you doing with your leg there? Science. I was just pulling the ottoman closer, yeah, but then I, know, I was afraid the full. vacuum was going to fall. And then, uh, <sighs> and then you put like a, you know, like a gallon, of, like a jug of water in it. Yeah. And you see. Well, one of the things he did was he filled a garbage can. Like he brought a garbage can into the classroom. Okay. Filled it with a hose that connected to a sink. Okay. And he had this girl. What was her name? Someone got in it. She was in like a bikini and what? she got in and we measured her no, displacement. No, no, you can't do Couldn't that. You can't do that. I remember like the night before, like calling my friends. I think <gasps> I called my buddy Mike and maybe like, Kay Metz and was like, hey, we're going to like, like, we're going to see this girl. is going to be in a bikini tomorrow. Oh my God. Why don't you wear a fucking one piece? Like, why did it have to be a bikini? I don't know. She looked good. Good for her. <gasps> my God. I don't remember her. Terrible. But like, you couldn't do that now. No. No. no, no, no. No, because everyone would have their phones out and they'd be like, snap, snap, me and Jennifer's tits at science class. Like, that's what and it would be. you know what? Nowadays, she would have, like, mega developed tits. <laughs> so, that just wasn't the case back then. Mm, not as much. So, food deserts. So, food deserts. <laughs> smooth transition, Eric. So, a food desert is when you live uh, with it less than, more than 10 miles away from a grocery store. Is that correct? Or is that just one of the definitions? <clears throat> that's the one that I'm aware of. Yeah, so... Um, but a yes. grocery store has a definition because you could go to a market, yes, or a bodega yes. or a corn, but that's yeah. not a grocery store. No, I mean it has to be you know full a, a full store with like access to a lot of fresh foods and you know a larger variety than just a corner store, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so let's see. So this is from the USDA.gov website. So low income census tracks where a significant number, at least 500 people, or a share, at least 33 percent of the population, is greater than one half mile from the nearest supermarket, supercenter, or large grocery store for an urban area, or greater than 10 miles in a rural area. Oh, 10 miles rural, but urban is yeah. Half so like. Mile. It might because, as well might as well be ten miles if it's right. half a mile. I mean, if you don't have a car, right? 
you can't walk far with a week's worth of groceries. No. I mean, you can't take them on a train, like on a, right. uh, you know, everything's like going to melt and, you right. know, like, so you, and you can't carry, you can't carry it. And it's not like if it's close to you, you could pop by and get something every day, like, in, right. you know, cities and like, I feel like in Europe. And when I lived in England, that's what, you know, a lot of the grocery stores were smaller because people and the um, r- regular houses would have a mini fridge. Right. Because people just every bought every day. So right. they didn't have a lot of stuff. They didn't do like we go every day. We go every week. Right. And right. that's so. But you can't do that if it's not near you. Right. So you have to have a planned trip and take public transportation unless you have a car. And then it's a whole thing. So a food desert is really where you're going to the grocery store is a whole big event. It's very difficult and it's expensive to get there. And then usually, you know, to buy the things. Um, and so it's pretty, it's pretty common and New Haven is considered a food desert. So we're in Connecticut and uh, like, honestly, most cities, I think New yeah. York city is, well, yeah, there's not know. a lot of groceries, but that's like for a different reason. Right. But um, I mean, I think like San Francisco, Detroit, I think Atlanta, like all major cities have this problem because one, you need space for a grocery store yeah, and you also need space for deliveries of the items. And if you're in the middle of the city, you may not, ha- you know, you if let's say you open a Whole Foods in the middle of New York City, which there is one. I went to one once. Yeah. But like getting the trucks in to drop the things off is a nightmare. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And the rents are too high. So it's just a lot of reasons why a company would choose not not to. Yeah. Oh, so this is what I was going to tell These are some of the numbers. Okay. So the thing I just said. So if you're in an urban area, a grocery store or a large super center or whatever would be greater than a half a mile. And if you're in a rural area, more than 10 miles. Okay. So using this measure in the U.S., an estimated 53.6 million people or 17.4% of the U.S. population lives in that in in a low income area with low access to food and those mileage right, they don't have the means to overcome the distance yeah basically. so 17.4% of our country okay so then when you extrapolate it out so greater than 1 mile and for, um for urban areas and greater than 10 miles in an or an um a rural area. So you so instead of half mile it becomes a mile. It goes down to 61% of the US population or 18.8 million people. And then if it's more than a mile or more than 20 miles in a rural area, it's 5.6% of the US population or 17.1 million people. I mean that's and then it says a full a fourth and slightly more complex measure incorporates vehicle access directly into the measure, delineating low income tracks where a significant number of households are lo- located far from a supermarket and do not have access to a vehicle. Um, so I think it's just important is we, you know, if if you have a car, you just probably never think about it. A, right? ca- a like, car is freedom is everything, especially in our country. Yeah, because of the way that our Cities the suburbs are, are, are laid out in the sub. Yeah, a car is everything. We you don't terrible, have a vehicle, you can't live. We have terrible public transportation. Right. So even if you live in a city, it's not guaranteed that it's easy no, to get it's around. It's slow, it's inefficient, it's expensive, it doesn't work well. Yeah. It doesn't go everywhere you need to go. It's yeah. not well planned, it's understaffed, and it's underfunded. Yeah. So then <laughs> it's, it's a nightmare. like, so then everyone's like, you know, if they're, you know, I get that like they're poor, but sh- they should eat better and they're, or like they're, they would be thinner, they'd feel better, they'd have less health, like chronic health. And it's like, do you know what it's like to go grocery shopping without a car? Right. A mile away? 
You wouldn't. So if you work six days a week, and that's in some cases being generous because people have to work seven days a week just to make ends meet. But let's say then you have to take a day off from work to get your fucking groceries. And you what? Take an Uber? No. You take public transportation and, and fear that everything's going to melt? That is, you know, it's these, you know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's just so infuriating how maybe how easy it is to just not know that any of this is happening. I think it, what happens is it turns on its head. Like right now we often look for um, most people, I would say most Americans who have access to a vehicle and live near a grocery store would say like, well, I want the most convenient calories I could get. I want, I'm at the most. Um, uh, so I want the most cost effective calories I can get. Right. right? So I want to shop the sales. I want to go to this grocery store instead of that grocery store. Cause they do better coupons i want to get you know whatever and you have a selection by the way that means you have a selection to choose from to to then like whatever your priority is but i think for for a lot of people who are uh poor or live in apparently very rural areas or certainly inner city areas it just becomes the most convenient calorie and so the most convenient calories you can get are corner markets and fast food places yeah it's, it's because it's Oftentimes, so first of all, it's not always the cheapest. No, uh, they're more. Ex- it's more expensive to like hop over to a McDonald's, but it's the yeah. most re- like you can get there, right? And that's everything, right? So, like you can eat right. if you go to that store, right? right? But then there's going to be low access to you know fresh foods, right? So corner mm-hmm. stores are not going to stock fresh food as often. I mean, some, sometimes the bodegas will, but not you know not nearly as much. Like I brought a um, a young lady, and I don't know, I don't remember at all anything about her socioeconomic status, nor would I really know. But I brought some students on a hike to um, East Rock Park in New Haven, and she we stopped at a market, like you know, like a you know fancy. New Haven market where people there actually is a, a small grocery store, right. um, but it's super expensive. And she had a peach and she had never had a peach, but she lived in, I want to say maybe the Bronx or Brooklyn, but she had only shopped at like bodega, like the little like corner store bodega for basically everything. And then she said they went to Burger King a lot. Right. Like she just lived in a, she just lived in a city and she didn't have access to it. So she's like, I've never had a peach before. She lived in New York. Right. I mean, we you would laugh at that, but it doesn't seem impossible when you Absolutely think about not. it. Absolutely not. And she, I mean, like, she just hung around her area. She hadn't really traveled very far. And like, I don't know, it just wasn't on her radar. Right. So and she, we also went we went for the hike and she was um, she was like, um, like basically crying on the top of it because she was like, I'm on a mountain. And like, this is amazing because she also had spent her entire life in the city. Right. So she had, you know, done Central Park, but it's pretty flat. At least from what I can remember. Like she, so she had never been that elevated. Like she just thought it was great, you right. know? And and that's not, to, I don't know anything about her financial situation. That's more just saying when you grow up in one experience, you don't realize maybe how limiting some of it can be. And she just had never had a peach before. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you're, we talked about this in our affordable housing episode, but when you have any degree of food insecurity, you immediately be, cannot, you can no longer be anywhere close to picky about what the food that you right. do consume is so like right. that's why you know i don't know you'll get um I heard someone said it recently actually i forget who it was we were talking about these free lunch programs that have started and they came last year there's always been yeah. like like if you were economically eligible you yeah. could get free lunch for your kid at school and then they just opened the program to everybody because of mm-hmm. the uh, shutdowns and the coronavirus and then they decided to keep it going and somebody was like well why are we still putting money into this well the 
the, the answer is that the money was already earmarked like, for this given. purpose. And so it's either you spend it for this purpose or you give it back. And no one's giving any money back <laughs> yeah. at any point for any reason. Yeah. But, you know, there was a um, the thing was like people I, I heard somebody say like a for, we were talking to a former teacher and she was like, oh, yeah, I remember when like the free lunch was like a like a pre-made days old peanut butter and jelly. It was different. It was different. Than the it other wasn't lunch. the same lunch. I mean, how fucked is that? And because of the way school, we should do an episode on school lunches. It'd be amazing. Uh, Cause I've read a, quite yeah. a bit about it, but the way that food, the way that school food is subsidized by our federal and state governments, it's like, there can't be enough of a cost difference to say to somebody, Hey, oh. you're on the free lunch lunch program. You no. get a peanut butter and jelly instead of this like square and of pizza. It's just, you completely know. identifying them right and then, so like, they get a brown like literally yeah. a brown box yeah, no, no, so no. you know I, I it's sometimes the answer is not the answer but sometimes the explanation to things is like in this case it was well they have the money and they're not allowed to take that money and spend it on something they can't go fill potholes right. with it you spend it on free lunches and, or you don't and what a fascinating two years to collect data right like who's taking free lunch it's free who's taking it Right, it's free. Right? Like, isn't that just fascinating? Who's you know coming what? There's and picking it up? There's definitely a lot of people. One of the things that I uh, ran on when I was in my short political career was we <sighs> need to expand the eligibility for free lunch programs because right now it has a lot to do with the poverty line, number of people in your household. Man, the poverty line is just such bullshit. But it's if you're so within low. 100, like, think about the person who's within 130% of the poverty line. You're still poor. Right. But you're no longer eligible. So I think the people who were, I think there's a lot of people who thought, wow, free lunch, that actually does help me a little. You know, yeah. you and I, I mean, we may not, but people like us may be like, who cares? Give your kid the three bucks a day, right? But for some people, that's everything. Yeah. So there are people who wouldn't qualify for these programs that were probably like, wow, this is great. And now I don't have to sign up for anything. I don't have to put my name out there. Like my yeah. kid will just get a free lunch. And they're not like ostracized no. or labeled in any way, which I think so is great. So it's helpful, you know? Yeah. I think that uh, we could absolutely do an episode on school. There are some really awesome um, school districts in Connecticut that are doing some farm to lunch. Yes. Some really cool stuff. Actually, there's a push to do that for a lot of reasons. Like It makes a lot of economical sense. But also because a lot of the areas in which they are sort of pursuing these programs are areas in which those kids wouldn't normally get a uh, spoonful of steamed vegetables. It's yeah. just not available because they live in a food desert. Right. So they might live near a Burger King, but they can't get like a veggie lasagna. Doesn't right. exist. Where right. They, where they and are. it's great to expose kids to different right. foods that they aren't having at home. Like even if our kids go and they have something that we're not making here, I think that's good. They right. should all be exposed. They should have different like cultural food. I mean, I think it would be great to... Um, and it's, you know, partnering with local farms just makes total sense. You take out the middle person. It's better for the environment. It's not being trucked all over the place. You're supporting a local business as well as you're eating, you know, as well as giving the kids, you know, a local fresh item. It makes total sense to me. There is. Um, it's more rural uh, and not necessarily serving city populations, but um, Dollar General did we watch it? What oh, dog? we did. We watched well, like, they, a YouTube yeah. video on it. Yeah. So I looked into a bit more because I was I was like, you know interested in because we're that cool and we get really into this stuff i'm like how is dollar general making their money yeah so dollar general tends to open up in areas where there's just nothing they tend to open up in food deserts in more rural areas yeah so there's no the grocery store yeah there's no walmart there's no target there's no whatever other big names there are um and so uh and then they are now testing in some like midwestern markets 
Um, some fresh fruits, like like right now, you can't. You know, it's like yeah. it's a dollar store. They don't have that, right? But they're testing out like a fresh fruit area, like a cafe or like you know, like a, a grocery like, like area, bananas, like oranges, little, apples, like the yeah, like basics the potable, of French yeah. uh, of uh, fresh food stuff that doesn't go bad quickly, yeah. mushrooms and things. And uh, so you know, they're they're clearly identifying that there's yeah. a market for it, and there's a huge void in the availability of this stuff now they happen to already be in roller markets so it makes sense i don't know how you solve it in an inner city because you can't just i mean honestly the only way you can really consider solving it is some sort of like subsidized program where rents are lowered via yeah the city or the government in order for a grocery store to move in well and so we haven't really talked about like why right like why is there a food desert and like to to my knowledge and you may you know know more about this but you know the 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 margins for supermarkets are so slim it's so hard to make money one and a half percent sometimes zero that they are very specific now about where they have locations. So we did have, it was a Shaw's at one point, And then I think something else in New Haven, they had a supermarket downtown. Yeah. Um, cause, cause New Haven's a smaller city. So it, you know, it, it had a parking lot, you know, like right. you could, ha- you know, you could have a parking lot. Um, but you know, like why, why aren't grocery stores in these areas? Well, if you study and no one does, but if you study, <laughs> uh, economics, you'll, and it's not also this isn't necessarily true, but the old adage in economics is firms exist only to maximize profits. Yeah. Now, there's a human element that, you know, clearly that isn't always the case. But generally speaking, like any any economic formula says that firms exist to maximize profits. Absolutely. And you simply can't do that as a grocery store in an yeah. inner city area. The only way I could see it happening is is if it's uh subsidized in some way but then yeah. you're, you know you're talking about government subsidies of a private business and a private whatever. business yeah or maybe they've lower rents or something you know like they they like know. you know subsidize the rent or something because that's really and and in cities the rents will be higher right i mean that's typically the and there case. will be less demand and that so that's also easy to ignore yeah but you're talking about 70 years of patterned behavior right if you just stuck a fresh foods a fresh foods grocery store in the middle of the city it wouldn't do well right you need like a yeah like a public outreach campaign you need to find a way yeah, like to invite health. people in yeah the public health you know and but it also has to be like not racist right, right. like a public health campaign that isn't racist because yeah. it's just so you can't be like black so people like, look at uh, these are apples yeah like they like, know what an apple is if your skin is brown like you don't know how to eat healthy like that you know right. that's like the you know in the big misstep where they oftentimes don't have I, I may have already used this example on the podcast but and i just mentioned to you the other night like how you know the best intention like air quotes people are like well let's let people use their snap benefits like their food you know stamps for you know like an older term at the farmer's market and they plan this whole thing out and then they realize the farmer's market's not on the bus line right so they're not going or it's you know they were doing like um you know like we, they wanted citizens to come in and, and you know talk about the transportation routes and everything and then they planned a meeting in the city and in a place after the bus line stopped running there Right. So it's like the people you want to hear from can't, can't make it. it, but it's because everyone planning these things. So like, yeah, I agree. It, it would have to be like, you'd, you'd have to have, because that's the thing that people like, will give them, if you give them a grocery store, then they're not going to eat, you know, they're not going to eat all that stuff. It's like, well, of course none of us would. If, if you grew up on one right. type of food, it's just like culturally, if you grew up, 
you know, in a culture that ate like mostly rice and beans and then you move somewhere that had, you know what I mean? Like it takes you time yeah, to you acclimate would still eat to, rice and beans for a while. For a long time. Like yeah. maybe one meal you might try something and you're also going to not like some stuff and then, you know what I mean? Like it's It's why when you're an American and you get off the plane in Europe, the first thing you look for is McDonald's. Yeah, it's why when we remember we went to Barcelona and we like we're just so overwhelmed yeah. and we were so jet lagged we did an overnight flight and it did not work in our favor <laughs> and we went to the Burger King. Yep. I remember because it was just like it felt. Like I knew a, what I was ordering. Yeah, I, I didn't like, know it's anything. a comfort, you yeah. know. Yeah, so it would have to be, I think, combined with. Also, when you say this, when you say like, well, we can just allow um, SNAP benefits to be used at a farmer's market. Well, again, but what if that's not, you know, what if that's not what people want? What if they don't want to spend two hours browsing the fresh baked breads? Like, what if they just need to get in, get out and get shit for their house and move on? Right. You know, it's just not as simple. Like, And farmer's markets aren't cheap. No, they're You know, they're expensive. really they're artisan blend of my goat cheese, you know, and it's like, well, fuck that. That's yeah, like, like an my, $8 my, wedge of cheese. My fucking whiskey blended maple syrup it's yeah like, no, dude, just give me the regular yeah. stuff i gotta go and that and i think that's just people you know coming from it's a, a feel place good of multiple, it's a feel good solution and it's but it's also a place that people coming from like their own experience which is a place of a lot of privileges being like well obviously people and and sure there might be some people that want to but also how would you feel if you are like taking the bus to the farmer's market using your snap benefits right. like, are you gonna feel comfortable no. i mean i don't think i would no you know, I so it's it really comes down to I'm I'm working on a I'm building a course right now on social entrepreneurship and like the number one thing is like if you want to start a business to help people, you have to involve the people that you're helping because no one needs what they no one knows what they need better than those people. Right. <laughs> you know, like it's the same thing with all the so yeah, I mean the food deserts are a big issue. And I think it's just so easy because I mean, my guess is most of the people listening to our podcast don't live in a food desert. No, probably not because they, you know, are likely listening on a phone or I listen to my podcast in my car, which means I'm don't have a problem with the food desert. Cause or I can get to, if you're in a rural area, you're probably choosing to live a little further out and you understand that the grocery store is a half hour trip. Yeah, but maybe. you have a vehicle Although, to get there. And, you know. I think super, like super rural. I think you stay there because it's so, the farther out you go, the cheaper it is. Right. And you get stuck in a pattern of, you know, like you can't afford to move closer to stuff because it gets more expensive. Yeah. So food deserts. Bitches. Innately unfair. Yeah. Like what the yeah. fuck? <laughs> I just don't think that until maybe like last year. Anybody was really thinking about this stuff. I mean, not a significant or definitely not. Of the population. Uh, well, like we we have been, but not at the level that we. Man, just societally. So, oh yeah, I think a lot has happened in the last year and a half, two years. We're getting there. I just hope that we should do a whole episode on the importance of voting. Oh my god. Yeah. Well. You're so skeptical about that. Yeah. <laughs> You're not convinced. Because voting patterns never change, no matter how, no matter who's running. Eric, I just, just I just change. can't believe that I have to have the internal optimist in me. I just it, because if I truly believe that it means nothing will ever change and I feel like our country can't no, get better. No, because what'll happen is like eventually old people die, as they have been. <laughs> they keep so, on doing it. <laughs> yeah, and so they're and you know, so but you know it's it's not like old people don't. It, it's just less people vote. But it, you know what I mean? In other words, yeah. like the people who vote are dying. So it's less people voting. Oh, I see. <laughs> but, but it will be interesting to see as, you know, like the people age, do they start voting? I don't know. I, 
the old way of thinking is like as you get older, you get more conservative and you're more likely to vote when you're older if you're conservative. But that's uh, not really the case I anymore. I also don't think people are naturally getting more conservative. No, at I the think rates that's changing. That, yeah. 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 But a lot of that, you know, a lot of that old way of thinking is like, well, now that I'm old and I've ex- older and I've, I've established wealth, I don't want to pay taxes and I want it. But like now no. it's so difficult to get ahead in life that nobody gets to a point where they're like, well, I just want to protect my <laughs> income. keep all my money. It's like, what income? What money? Yeah. You know, so I think and it's, it's different easier. Now. I, I find it then it's easier to part with some. Like if I don't have a ton of it, I'm like, well, I'll give a little bit to somebody else and make sure they live well. Yeah, they can survive. You just don't like, you, you know, the, the idea of like, I'm going to. It used to be like, well, I'd have a pension waiting for me. And, I, you know, now it's just like, well, I'll put some money in a 401k that's going to crash and lose all its value. when the <laughs> Wall Street bankers destroy us all in 20 years, five mm. years before my Capitalism. retirement. So whatever, I'll just take a vacation. Now, who cares? Yeah. You know. There you go. Yeah. The key to life key and to happiness. Life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we had the same laugh. That was cute. Oh. Oh, we're just meant to be. <laughs> oh my God, I'm in a good mood. This is rare. <laughs> yeah, were you drinking? I know. I'm oh. having seltzer. Oh, we bought a soda stream. How 2006 or whatever. Uh, it came how out. white family is that? <gasps> yeah. Well, I we can talked about how you. white seltzer is. I can guarantee you that there hasn't been a single sale of a SodaStream to a black family yet. <laughs> They're still waiting at SodaStream Industries. They're, They're still like, waiting how do we for crack the into that into, into that market? It's like it ain't happening. Yeah, it's not happening. You can make regular soda. It doesn't have to be seltzer. Well, but then you're, well, yeah, I don't know. Stop judging me. I like the soda stream. <laughs> soda it's stream. good for the environment. I suppose. We're not buying all those cans and bottles. No, but we're buying massive bottles of CO2, but it's, pressurized CO2. But it's aluminum. It can be recycled. Oh, yeah, good. You understand that recycling is the biggest scam, right? If anybody's listening right at this moment, as we fade out with the music, just know that your recycling does not get, get recycled. recycled. Uh, don't separate your shit. Throw it in the trash. Don't say it, Eric. I once heard a recycling professional say it shouldn't be reduce, reuse, recycle. It should be refuse. It's like, just throw it out. It makes everybody's life easier. Oh. Well, on that note. The world's ending. This is Time to Woke Up. I'm Eric. I'm Corey. Adios. Last week and I'm...